episode of Public Power Now features a recent APPA webinar that details how APPA members can benefit from participating in three association programs, the Demonstration of Energy and Efficiency Developments Program, the Reliable Public Power Provider Program, and the Smart Energy Provider Program. The webinar includes public power officials who detail how their utilities have engaged with these programs and the benefits that have flowed from the programs. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's webinar, uh, Leveraging APPA's Programs to Improve Your Operations. My name is Paul Zumo. I'm the Director of uh, Research and Development for the American Public Power Association. And I'm really glad you could join us for today's uh, webinar uh, as we learned uh, about three really critical APPA programs, DEED, SCP, and RP3. Um, and w w the point of this purpose of this webinar is to uh, first show, uh, talk a little bit about how these programs are governed. So we're going to hear from uh, panelists and board members and to discuss just some of the governance structures associated with this program. Uh, but then we're also going to hear from those who have participated, those who have been awarded grants or, or designees for these programs, and to really explain to you the process of, of, of applying um, and the process for engaging in these great programs. So we really hope this is informative and really helps you as you consider um, participating in, in hopefully all three programs. Um, so with that, we'll just quickly go over the agenda. So we'll, we'll start out with a quick bout of uh, introductions, um, an overview of the program. So each uh, we'll have some APPA staff members who will we'll just spend a couple of minutes in case you aren't familiar with either or all of the programs to just learn a bit more about them and how they, and then the bulk of this program is going to be a panel discussion. Uh, and, the, and discussion is the key word here. Uh, this is uh, not going to be formal presentations per se, but it's just meant to be um, a conversation about each of these programs and how they work. Uh, and then we'll have an opportunity for the last 15 minutes or so to go into questions that you may have. And I'm just going to introduce each of our panelists. They could, if they're free, to uh, tell a little bit more about themselves as they as they talk. Um, we're going to be hearing from uh, Troy Adams, who's the general manager at Manitowoc Public Utilities in Wisconsin, uh, and Jeremy Ash, Ash, Chief Operating Officer, Kansas City Board of Public Utilities in Kansas. Uh, we'll also hear from Sonia Brutland, Sustainability and Commercial Development Manager, Taunton Municipal Lighting. Paul Erie, Manager of Strategy and Planning for Lansing Board of Water and Light from Michigan. Jeff Gorey, Director of Energy Services, the Iowa Association of Municipal Utilities in Iowa. And Mark Schalbeck, uh, Manager of Energy Services in Lincoln Electric uh, in Nebraska. Uh, so those will be our panelists today. Uh, APB staff, we're in the call. I've already introduced myself. Uh, then for each of the unique programs, we have from Nikhil Dev Murphy, uh, talking about the DEEP program, G.U. Lee, P3, and Matt Atienza, CP. So with that, I'll hand it over to Nikhil to talk about the DEEP program. Hey everyone, uh, thanks Paul. Uh, my name is Nikhil. I serve as the Research and Development Coordinator here at APPA. So I mostly handle the DEEP program, but I also help uh, with the Energy Transition Community. Uh, so let's talk about the DEEP program. Uh, so DEEP stands for Demonstration of Energy and Efficiency Development. Uh, DEEP is APPA's leading research and development program where we fund research, pilot projects, and education to improve utility operation and services for over 43 years. Uh, the program was started in 1980 to help uh, in the development of major innovations for the public power community. So DEED is essentially a research, uh, a grant research and development program. Uh, it is important to note that DEED is a membership program, so it is a separate membership from APPA membership. Uh, and the way and the dues are generally calculated by 20% of APPA dues. So some of the DEED uh, member benefits, uh, we offer utility grants uh, worth up to $125,000. We have two uh, application seasons, one in the spring from November to February, to February 15th, uh, one in the fall from August to October 15th. We also have educational scholarships worth $2,000. We pay uh, the $2,000 to uh, the university funding the student. We also have a line worker scholarship uh, worth $2,000. We have a student internship grant uh, worth $4,000 with an additional $1,000 to travel uh, for an EPPA-approved uh, uh, EPPA conference. And the student also receives uh, 
uh, also received uh, a, a complimentary uh, registration for EPPA conferences. Uh, and some of the other uh, opportunities that we uh, provide are we have, the, we have an award called the Energy Innovator Award. We provide that, uh, the applications are open in Jan, and we present that uh, in the customer conference uh, in March or May. Uh, and then we have the Deed Project Library, which is a library that has about 863 projects from Deed uh, funded projects, deliverables, final reports, things like that. And we also provide product discounts. Uh, so Deed members receive significant discounts on Deed products or EPPA products, or sometimes even receive it for free. Next slide, please. So uh, the DEED membership is a 950 members strong. We have about 44 states represented, 64% of APPA's regular members. We have 25 joint action agencies and 18 state and regional associations. Currently, we have about 57 utilities uh, engaged in approved grants and scholarships. Uh, and I'm going to hand, hand it over to Matt uh, to explain SCP and RP3. All right. Thanks, Nikhil. Um, actually, I'll be kind of covering the RP3 program, and then I'll hand things over to Matt to talk a little bit about the SEP program. Um, so my name is Ji-Yun Lee. I am the Research and Development Manager at APPA. Um, and I just want to talk to you a little bit about the RP3 program. And you might be wondering what this RP3 stands for. So RP3 stands for Reliable Public Power Provider, and it is a online application-based program uh, that recognizes utilities for excellent operation. So essentially, this uh, program evaluates on how you operate your system in the areas of reliability, safety, workforce development, and lastly, system improvement. Um, so participating in RP3 offers, you know, key several uh, benefits. Um, and you can see those uh, listed on uh, this slide. Um, as an RP3 designated utility, you can showcase your leading practices and also your commitment to excellence in key operational areas. Uh, I also want to highlight that uh, participating in RP3 isn't only about you know the label, or the award, or designation. You know, it's all it's also about the journey. So the application process is an opportunity for you to do a deep dive into your utilities uh, operations and also benchmarks national uh, best practices, and also help you set your goals and in your improvement plans. Um, so the RP3 application, again, it's, a, it's an online uh, application. It has 39 questions split into four sections, and each of these sections worth 25% of the total score. So uh, if you score 80 or above, you'll receive a designation. And you can see on this slide that we have three different levels, with diamond being the highest um, and, and then platinum and then gold level. Um, so when it comes to grading an RP3 application, we have RP3 review panel um, who meets uh, twice in the fall uh, to grade and ensure that all utilities receive the most accurate evaluation of their applications. Um, so we have 18 members on the panel and they're all subject matter experts from public power utilities, joint action agencies and state associations. They also meet in the spring to uh, make any necessary revisions and updates to the applications to make sure that uh, the application reflect the current industry best practices. Um, so today you'll hear from Troy Adams and Jeremy Ash from the panel, and they'll share their experiences being on the panel. And also they've gone through the process multiple times of filling out the applications. So they'll be able to share some valuable insights and, and some uh, some of their exper uh, experiences. So stay tuned for that later in this webinar. And before I hand it over to Matt, um, I just want to show this map um, that uh, displays the total number of utilities um, per state that currently holds an RP3 designation. Uh, so you can see the widespread of our uh, RP3 designated utilities and you are always welcome to reach out to APP staff if you have any questions about participating in the program, about filling out the application. And we're here to help you throughout the whole process. So just feel free to always reach out to us and we'd be happy to answer any questions you might have on our P3 program. Um, so with that, I'll hand things over to Matt to talk to you a little bit about SEP program. 
Okay, thanks, Jiyun. Uh, my name is Matt Atienza. I'm the Operations Services Assistant here at APPA, and I uh, assist Jiyun with the RP3 and SEP programs. So the Smart Energy Provider Progr uh, Program is a designation. It looks at uh, utilities' efforts and efficiency, distributed energy resources, sustainability, and environmental initiatives. And uh, it's a 24-question application. Uh, the designation provides a local and national recognition and also allows you to build smart energy best practices, benchmark your smart energy efforts, and also develop a task force in smart energy areas. Um, unlike the uh, RP3 program, the SCP program is a pass or fail application. So to receive a designation, a utility will need to score 70 out of 100 points. Uh, the application opens December 1st of every year and then remains open until April 30th. Uh, we then host a grading meeting in the summer and then formally announce designations during the Customer Connections Conference, which is typically held in the fall. Um, go to the next slide, please. And uh, it'll be kind of similar to the RP3 slide here with a list of all the current public power utilities that hold an SCP designation. So currently there are 101 designated utilities and these are made up of people that received the designation in 2021 and 2022. All right, the, that is all for SCP. Thanks, Mark. Uh, so we're going to talk about the, uh, the program we're going to hear from Paul Erie, who serves as the Region 10 representative on the deed board. Uh, Paul is the manager of strategy and planning at Lansing Board and Water. Um, Paul, do you have anything else to say? You can uh, please add it. And then we're going to hear from Jeff uh, Gauri, the director of energy services from Iowa Association of, of Municipal Utilities. Uh, Jeff has uh, three grants uh, and has applied to the deed program multiple times. Uh, so I was hoping you could start off with Paul. Uh, so Paul is our recent, most newest board member. And one of the questions we often get when folks uh, receive a denial or rejection from the board is what factors does the deed board take into account uh, when evaluating applications? Yeah, so thanks, Nikhil. And, and thanks for being here today, everybody, to learn more about the deed program. Um, when it comes to evaluating grants from the deed board perspective, uh, we take into account a lot of criteria uh, to give consideration to the applicants, whether there's a broad applicability to public power utilities, especially deed members, um, the timeliness of the results or the transferability of the results to other members. Uh, we do give special consideration to those who have not had a deed project before. We're really looking for projects that are unique and innovative um, that provide overall customer value um, to from the project and to uh, municipal utility customers. Um, this all can be found in the deed policy manual, which is on uh, the deed webpage. If you look in section G6, um, there's, a, there's a complete list of things we look towards. But really, it's about um, developing those tools uh, and, and programs that can be transferable to other utilities so all public power can learn from uh, the experiences of a, of a deed grant uh, recipient. Thanks, Paul. Uh, yeah, we will uh, follow up with the link uh, for the deed policy manual. Uh, and also, one of the questions we often receive is, you know, how can the board uh, assist members in developing successful uh, applications? Yes. Yeah, so as as you'll hear more from Jeff, and we'll actually, actually ask Sonia, too, from her recent experience, um, the deed board is very accessible when it comes to submitting and reviewing your, your grant application. Um, you know, not to steal Jeff's on the a little bit, but when you think about all the grants and opportunities out there, uh, it's hard to get in touch with the decision makers uh, to understand what's going to be reviewed, how you can improve your application like you can with the deed board. And so with that, I want to turn it over to Jeff and ask him and really describe his experience for applying for and completing multiple uh, successful deed applications in, in his journey. Jeff? Yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, yeah, my experience in applying for deed grants has been very positive. Uh, to take a step back and give you um, an idea of the grants we've applied for, we've applied for four different deed grants in the most recent years. Uh, two of them were awarded, approved, and given, and two of them were declined. Um, and my main message to you all on this webinar would be, um, if you do apply for a deed grant and it does get denied, keep applying. 
Um, Deed is really unique in the fact that the paperwork burden for applying for a Deed grant is really low compared to some other grants that you may have applied for, uh, particularly a federal or state grant. Um, so the burden is low. It's an easy application process. Um, it is a good system uh, to do it. And there are two grant windows throughout the year. So it's not like if you get denied, you have to wait another year. You don't. You have to wait about five months. Um, and throughout the whole year, you can be thinking of different grant ideas. So um, I would just say the process is very easy. Uh, and the deep board is very accessible. And I know Sonia has more to say about the accessibility of the board. Thanks for that. Yeah, Sonia? I do. The That was... I too had a similar experience where we applied for a grant and we were denied. The feedback that we received from the board was wonderful because it then told me what they were actually looking for. So the next time we applied for a grant uh, more recently, we were able to get it. But the accessibility of the board members, and that was one of the things they said was, please make use of the board members in your region. They are here to help you. And they really were. You know, when I applied for a federal grant recently, I didn't have easy access to ask, you know, little questions here and there. And it was nice to be able to send an email to Deed and, you know, was funneled to the right person. And then, you know, we worked it out. So that way, when I did submit the application, it was in the way and had the information that they needed. And this last time, we received the maximum amount of 125. Well, Sonia, that's a great story. And again, you know, it's, it's great to hear how accessible the board is and to be able to support these applications to, to make them real projects and, and successful for your, your utilities. Uh, Jeff, kicking it back to you, you know, talk about the process of working with APPA uh, on your deliverables. So as you've gone through some successful applications and you've delivered on the projects, Talk about the process of um, producing you know, your EV planning toolkit and some of the other um, projects you've completed. Yeah, so uh, the one project that we've completed in recent years was the EV toolkit, the electric vehicle planning uh, toolkit. It was basically a toolkit that took in publicly available adoption rates for electric vehicles. And then um, by assuming a bunch of different variables, you can kind of project what your EV adoption rate would look like into the future. And then there were some ancillary tools built into that toolkit, which would help you, um, you know, evaluate some different time of use pricing scenarios and some other useful tools. Um, it was, it was a focus of that project on the front end to deliver very useful, tangible assets that could be used by other utilities to replicate results, right? Um, and so when you're thinking about deliverables and you're thinking about potential deed projects, that's one thing that I would encourage. The deed board definitely likes to see a toolkit, likes to see deliverables and transferability, right, to other projects. Um, you know, deed, one of the things I like about the deed grant is that there's quarterly reports. So there's a built-in mechanism to keep you on track so that you're not creating all of your deliverables right at the end of your project, right? Um, there's some safeguards in that area. Um, and my experience was we delivered, um, you know, the tangible assets at the end, the, de the deliverables, um, indeed helped us even further refine those. And, um, the project was so transferable that we ended up including the toolkit and deeds, APPA store, deed store. Um, and so my experience was great. I mean, we delivered a great product through the support of deed. We refined it even further. Uh, and it's been, I don't know the numbers, but it's been downloaded and used quite a bit. So that's, that's a nice feeling. Yeah, I appreciate that, Jeff. And, and Sonia, I know you're on a, a newer part of the process. Is there anything you'd like to share about it as far as your ongoing quarterly reporting and how you've been managing through the process of uh, working through your uh, awarded deed grant? I, you know, you give us a, um, I call it a checklist, but it's it's the requirements. I just use it as a checklist, uh, though this is my first time going through the reporting and I just submitted it recently. so. Uh, I suspect if 
there are any issues, I suspect APPA will, con- I'm, excuse me, will Deed will contact me and let me know and I can uh, revise it. But the reporting itself, it was pretty straightforward. And like I said, I just used the checklist and answered the questions. Thanks, Sonia. Um, and yes, you know, the deed board is here to help and, and make sure that the project uh, gets delivered and um, you know, good, good results for, for public power. Um, now, Jeff, switching gears here, you, we talked a little bit before this about your approach throughout the year, uh, of how you've come up with your ideas for deed grants and trying to make sure you strike the balance of innovative yet uh, transferable to other utilities where they could learn from your results. So can you talk to me a little bit about um, your ideas and, and how you've been able to generate so many applications uh, in the deed process? Yeah, I'll try to keep my answer brief. This may be a little bit of a longer one, but um, my organization, we're the statewide trade association for all the municipal utilities in Iowa. And so we have 52 gas members and 136 electric members. And so throughout the year, there are basically 136 clerks, GMs, and other utility staff that come to me with their problems and expect me to help solve them. Um, Some of them are easy solved. Some of them are more complex. And what I try to do throughout the year is when someone presents to me a problem that is either going to take me more time than I have to do it, or is going to cost money, or the solution is something innovative that hasn't been done before, I try to keep a record of those. So I, I keep a spreadsheet, you can keep a Google Doc or whatever, but as people come to you with these problems and you're thinking of solutions, I would keep a record and see if any of them fit into the deed program. Um, I know a lot of you on this call, the biggest resource deficiency that I have is time, right? And so sometimes, you know, getting a deed grant, knowing that you have to reserve this time and set it aside and that you've been funded for this time kind of helps these projects actually come to fruition. Um, so that's another blessing of the deed program. Um, but yeah, the other thing I would say again is as, as you're thinking of projects, focused on tangible deliverables at the end of the project that other utilities can use. Um, Deed loves toolkits, and I think that that's a a good thing because it helps other people to quickly adapt, um, you know, your work. Your wisdom should be hard-earned and freely given to others, and I think that's kind of one of the tenets of Deed. Um, So, yeah, I think that's all I've got on that one. Thanks, Jeff. Um, you know, it, it takes a lot to think about these ideas and put pen to paper and, like I said, take the time to make sure the applications are, are thorough and, and transferable to other other utilities and, and, and public power. Um, with that, you know, Sonia, I want to see if you had any closing thoughts on the DEED program, and then we'll come to Jeff and round out our discussion on the DEED board uh, and DEED grant process. Uh, Sonia? Yeah, I want to just say that I really appreciate all the work that the panel and the board does because it really is helpful to us where Jeff talked about time. We all wear many hats at our utilities and to have an organization get behind us and fund us for programs, uh, thoughts and ideas that we come up with that we may not be able to allocate time to that allows us to do that. It, we're, I'm so grateful for, I know we all are. Thanks, Sonia. And Jeff? Any closing thoughts? Yeah, I would just agree with what Sonia said. All great points. And um, another pitch I want to put in there is don't discount the value of the deed library. Uh, there's a bunch of really good deliverables, toolkits, different tools that other deed projects have created. Um, if you're a deed member, you get access to that. It's an incredible value. Uh, that alone, I think, is worth uh, the cost of admission to the deed member. So big fans of deed the great program um take advantage of it well jeff it's sonia thank you very much for joining me today to talk about the deed program uh you know as you mentioned there's plenty of resources available on the deed website um the deed library um if you have a question about who your deed board representative is please check out um the deed website because you'll see all 10 regions and representation you can get in touch with us to talk about an upcoming application talk about membership uh, the deed board is definitely here to help with your your programs and grants. Uh, with that, I'll turn it back over uh, to the APPA team for our next topic. 
And also, important to point out, the Deed scholarship is still open. Uh, it closes on October 15th, uh, so feel free to reach out to Deed uh, for access to the application. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you all for sharing your experiences and a little bit more about DEED program. And please feel free to check out the links that Nikhil just shared in the chat. A lot of great resources and information, and you can always reach out to the DEED staff for with any questions. Um, so the next panel discussion, we want to talk about RP3 program. And I would like to just introduce uh, two of our panelists here, Tori Adams, General Manager of Manitowoc Public Utilities, and also Jeremy Ash, Chief Operating Officer of Kansas City Board of Public Utilities. And I also want to mention that uh, Troy represents reliability section on the panel, and also Jeremy represents a large utility. So uh, the panel members all uh, represent diverse diversity and also different utility size and different uh, aspects of the applications. So I'm going to hand the mic over to Troy and Jeremy to talk a little bit about the RP3 program. All right. I'm Troy, and I am currently the chair of the panel, and I'm going to be talking with Jeremy, who is next in line. So between the two of us, we've actually got quite a few years on the panel. I would Maybe it's fair to call us uh, RP3 ninjas at this point. Uh, but I thought you know, more, more of a dialogue approach, I think we should talk a little bit about the why and values and then talk a little bit about process and kind of close it out with recommendations based on our experience benefits that we've received being on the panel and what we would recommend for people considering applying but it's always nice to kind of have an idea of why i actually hear that a lot from smaller utilities why put in the work and i i would imagine jeremy's heard that too and and as noted that RP3, we've got representation from many different size utilities, uh, JAAs, uh, and uh, it really helps all utilities by having that input on the board. Any size utility can go through this process. So the, the why, you know, for me, I'm going to go back and, and share a little story and then I'll turn it over to Jeremy. Before I was on the panel, before I was a general manager, I was an engineering manager at another utility and uh, I've shared the story before, so maybe you've heard it. My GM got walked out of the boardroom and got in a fight with the city and they parted ways and the utility was in danger of being sold to the neighboring co-op. And it was a pretty difficult time. And at that time, one of the commissioners who was also on city council came up to me and was struggling with why they should even own a utility. And they had just never really looked at how the utility was doing because there was blinders on to just look at the community. They never looked outside the community. So they had no comparison to know if the utility was good or bad. And he had made this comment to me, what's the difference when I flip on the light switch and the light comes on, whether it's coming from the co-op or from the municipal. And I think about that regularly. We need to do a really good job in public power about sharing the good job that we're doing and why there's a value back to the community to proactively avoid that situation. If your community doesn't understand what they own and the value that is being delivered back to them as the customer owners, you could end up in this situation. So for me, the why with the RP3 was a third-party national benchmarking of best practice that allowed me to say, hey, we are, this utility is doing a great job. The employees are doing a great job. We're contributing value. And it wasn't just me lobbying for the benefit of the utility. It was data. And it's hard to argue with data. So, I don't know, Jeremy, if you've got uh, a story on why from your utility, but I know that we've got some stories from other utilities too. Yeah, sure. So, you know, a number of years ago, uh, 
I had a supervisor come to me and he, he kind of just plopped it down on me and said, Hey, uh, I need you to, to populate this information, pull it together, submit it. And, uh, by the way, our, you know, our general manager is really trying to, uh, help us or really wants us to, to score well. Right. I mean, that was kind of the, the impetus for why we were doing is we need to get this score. And I'm like, well, what does the score matter if, if we're not actually doing these things that are in there? Cause at the time when it, when it got plopped on me, I didn't, didn't particularly know what it was. And so as I started to dig through it, it was a really great exercise for me. Um, number, number one within my organization of, um, where to go find information. Right. And so as, as a young supervisor and, and I had these other peers around me that were kind of younger, we've all uh, had this shift at our organization where we had kind of a, uh, a wave of people all leave at the same time. And so we had a wave of new folks in and, and we were all kind of, you know, muddling through, if you will. And, um, at first I was, really looked at the application, really looked at the process. And I thought, well, this just made my next couple of weeks harder. Right. But as I worked through the process, read the questions, looked for information, went back and made sure, uh, I understood what was being asked. Um, I really saw the whole program as a value. Number one, to open my eyes to a lot of things, uh, that were out there that I hadn't taken the time to run down before. But number two, a lot of things we were doing, and once I actually took the time to aggregate the information it submitted, I'm like, oh, that might not be the best, you know? And, um, you know, I'd like to kind of round that out with some of the, uh, you know, I think it was Sonia mentioned the uh, panelists always being available to provide information. answers or, or answer your questions, help tutor you through the process, uh, provide examples of what other companies are doing or put you in contact with the people um, that might be responsible for different information when you are trying to launch or improve improve a program uh, within your own utility. And so that that for me was just as important. I've, I've gotten to network with a lot of folks that are responsible for a lot of different areas um, within their utilities. And some of that networking, information sharing, program sharing, uh, that that in itself, the relationships you make when you're going through the process is probably pretty worth it for me too. But uh, a lot of good information. I think, uh, you know, Jiyun, alluded to the fact that the panel is diverse by way of size of utility, joint action agency, safety professionals, engineering professionals, operational professionals. So the program really does get you and your utility exposed to subject matter experts for really all of the, the facets of our industry. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. The, the program actually creates an opportunity for continual growth because the, the designation and the, the criteria in which utilities are rated are evolving every three years. The bar changes because best practice changes. So not, you're not only getting connected with subject matter experts, you're also having a, a way of being informed and in what's changed, what's improved to so see, create a culture of learning, uh, that's going to benefit your utility. You know, I think that's, that's an important point, Troy, for us to mention is, as you alluded to, we convene in the spring too, to go back through the whole application itself, uh, gives us an opportunity to shift questions or amend pieces of information that might've changed due to, you know, some, national best practice that's taken place or a new IEEE standard that's been instituted. So not only is, is, is the program all encompassing, but we are constantly looking at it to make sure we're capturing the best information available. Right. 
And I want to just go back to one other thing you said, Jeremy, about when this was plopped on your your plate. It was about is it getting the designation and the score. And I think there are a lot of utilities, I've heard this, they're afraid to fail. They don't want to apply for something and not get the designation. And it's, it's not about the designation as much as it's about the journey and the growth. Uh, and in fact, it's probably more beneficial to see all the things where you're short of best practice versus being able to check the box and say, I'm already doing that. And that's personally, that's what I found is I am always growing. And once you know what's out there and what you can do better, it's hard not to always want to work towards that. So from a manager perspective or from an employee perspective, that's important, but it's also important to communicate that back to your governing body. You know, this is the information, the data that you can be able to take back to uh, a, a commission or a board or a council during the budgeting season and say, we need to do these things. And by the way, this is also something that's scored in RP3 and considered best practice. These are things we need to to keep doing to improve. And I, th- I think that, you know, you touched on something else there too, that some of the smaller companies, um, they, they don't have the staff or the resource maybe to, you know, lift off a lot of their own programs or start from the ground up a lot of their own programs. But when you're involved with the RP3, um, you just ask for assistance and people provide their templates to you. Um, they provide uh, coaching, uh, how they started, where they where they were, where they're at, where they're headed. Um, and it's much easier to replicate uh, somebody's activity or program uh, that may have a lot more resources than what you have at your place than it is just to start it on your own if you're a smaller if you're a smaller entity or system. Agreed. So maybe segue into the the process itself and kind of some of the takeaways from that. You know, the, uh, it had been mentioned that the the deed application. I think Jeff mentioned the deed application isn't really burdensome, and you have two chances every year to apply. Well, this isn't quite the same. It's once a year that you can apply, and it's a three year designation. And I would say that the the application is hard. You know, with the four different areas of focus, it is unlikely that any single person in your utility is going to have all the information. And so going into this process, knowing it's going to take time and knowing that it's, it's going to be some work really means you need to start early and you need to ask questions, use the, the panel members as resources use APPA as a resource, but it does take a little bit of time and you are going to need to have other people in your utility help with information or your JAA or other, your state association may be able to help uh, answering questions in the the RP3 application. And here at Kansas, uh, one of the things that Kansas Municipal Utility Association did was uh, they actually took the time to get one of their training officers really familiar, really involved in RP3 applications, and and they were a resource for the member. Uh, But you touched on uh, the application is large. Um, It encompasses a lot. It is uh, difficult, especially the first time you do it but it is a well worthwhile um, exercise because of all of the people you're going to have to pull together in your organization, all the different kinds of data um, that and evidence, really, for lack of a better term, that you're going to have to pull together that you may not be exposed to uh, otherwise. So it's a really great learning experience for, for folks in the organization to be a part of. Um, but also, you know, once you make your application and you're graded, um, your previous edu- your your previous application is you, you have access to it, right? As sort of this the, kind of like the deed library. I mean, you have a library of your past application. So when you begin the the new designation 
period process and you start a new application, you have all of your old information to go back to. And a lot of times that's a great place to start. You go through there, um, see where you got all of your points, take a look at those things, make sure you don't have any amendments or something has changed. Um, and then, you know, what did you learn from last time where you lost points and have you changed some kind of uh, operating standard or some kind of procedure in your utility that will, number one, improve your utility and your system, but number two, afford you those points in the application. Um, it is a big application, but you're not kind of not always starting from scratch, if you will. And it's, it's a benefit for that second time that you're applying and, and beyond. The first time, yes, you need to go through and it's going to be more work to, to find all those things. And they're the resources available to help you do it. APPA, the panelists within your utility, your JAA, your state association. So the first time is harder and their, their support. And just through this process, uh, we do two different grading sessions with the, the full panel. And they're October and December. And then those that were on the edge are those that, that may have lost points that we thought should have had them. So a lot of times just to pause on that, a lot of times we'll see utilities come through. We've been on the panel long enough that you see the same utility come through in the next cycle. And we'll look back at the last application. If for some reason a utility didn't get full points and many times full points were awarded three years ago. And so then we kind of dig into that. There are opportunities where we'll actually do a, a, a call with the utility to talk through just those, those kind of scenarios where, you know, you used to do this. Did something change? Oh no. Somebody left our utility or retired and nobody knew anymore, but maybe the utility is still doing it. So even though the application is hard and it takes a long time, especially the first time, there is support all the way through the process. And then at the very end, the panel is really looking out to make sure that you're getting scored accurately and fairly and getting the points that you deserve, including comparing to previous years and helping to coach, uh, you know, when there's transitions and, and turnover in a utility, helping them know where to find the information if it had been there in the past. Well, that's a good point. Uh, the panel really cares. They're not, they're not part of the panel to, you know, be a part of the panel or to get out of the office for a few days or whatever. Uh, our grading sessions are thorough. And um, a lot of times they are much more laborious than what I might have had on my work schedule that week. Um, but I do think you hit on something there. The panel really cares. They care about people and what they're doing. And so you alluded to, you know, looking at the way somebody might have scored last time and where they're at this time. And man, what's different? Why did they lose some points here when they've got them before? Um, and, and I know we've taken time to reach out to utilities and say, hey, I know you have this information. You submitted it before. What's different now? And most of the time, it's just somebody different is responsible now for the application. And maybe they didn't get the internal help they need. But uh, again, the panel a lot of times we don't wait for folks to to reach out to us with um, looking for help. Sometimes we we knock on their door too and say, "Hey, we, you know, we know you've done this in the past, and how come it's not there now? And and how can we help you go find that? Because we want you to be successful in the program. We want you to make sure you're seeing all the information and all of everything that's going on in your company." Yes. For sure. The panel, like I would say that this may be one of the best things that I've done in my career because of, you know, it's, it's almost like servant leadership where you have an opportunity to, to help other utilities be successful, but it's also paying it forward because somebody did it for me when I was starting out in my career. So there, there's that obligation for the future of public power to, to, to help, uh, the, the network of the experts on the panel and all the utilities that we get to talk to has really been a great experience. And if any of you listening are ever interested in being on the panel, I would highly recommend seeking to 
filling out an application or seeking to get on the panel. It's a very, very good experience. Yeah, we're going to with that. You know, I, I, it's, it's been one of the better professional, um, exercises I've done exposure to a lot of different people, a lot of different, uh, uh, regions of the country, what people are, are facing. I mean, we talk about everything from labor troubles, supervisor training, employee development, system improvement, safety, reliability. I mean, it, it really is an all encompassing activity. That's just a great experience, a really great experience. If you intend to stay in the utility industry. So to kind of close, are, are there suggestions or tips, recommendations that you would give to anybody filling out an application? And I think I'd go back to what you pointed out uh, a few minutes ago is, you know, start early and make sure you have your bases covered. Uh, just because you might turn in an application, uh, you know, that maybe missing something, or we may ask you for more information, uh, doesn't mean once you submit it, you're done, right? You have some time to to go back and massage things or, or correct things. And um, we're pretty good about asking those things uh, of people that we know have, have these kinds of things going on or, or giving our remarks of why we, we graded the way we did. And you have that opportunity later to to do a fair shake call and some other things. But I, I would just say start start early and don't be afraid to uh, involve, involve, you know, several people. It's a good exercise for people in your company running down information, but it also, uh, the more people you have involved, it's just more of a collaboration and, and, and more efficient for the process. Yeah, and it also helps protect the utility in the future by having those communication paths established as you're collecting data and talking about things it's just all the more connections there are with these things within your organization um you know i think the other thing that i've seen over the years there is a lot of information available with the application guide so there's an application and then there's an application guide which helps you fill out the application. And it, it seems like a lot of times people will submit stuff when some of the work may have already been done. There are questions where APPA has provided a template or given examples on how to respond to a question. And this has all been vetted, developed with, with APPA and, and the panel. And so there are tools available to help make some of those questions easier to answer that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So making sure to read through the whole guide and look at all those examples and use the templates provided will make the process easier. Well, I think that about wraps it up for Troy and I, I do want to take a minute, um, as Troy said earlier, he's the chair of the vice chair. Uh, this is a lot of work. And so I would um, like to to take a minute to recognize Jiyun uh, and Matthew. They do a, they do a fabulous job, uh, not just for us on the panel, uh, but for all of the members out there that are, are seeking information or asking questions and everything that goes on during, during the process. But, uh, uh, June and, and Matthew do a fabulous job. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Jeremy. And words, thank you so much. And we're always happy to help everyone. So great. Thank you. And um, thank you for sharing your experiences on the RP3 panel and uh, regard to the program itself. Um, now we'll kind of transition over to our discussion on the SCP program with Sonia Britland and Mark Shikolnik. Um, just to start things off, uh, I'd like to ask Mark, who's served on our SCP review panel for four years now, what um, some of the benefits are that you've seen by serving on the SCP panel, and uh, if there were any kind of unexpected benefits you've seen to being a part of the panel. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I uh, Can everybody hear me okay? 
Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I I uh, embarrassingly am joining from my vehicle parked in a parking lot because I had the webinar down at the wrong time. I don't know if my camera's on. Nope, you actually accidentally muted yourself there, Mark. I think. No camera, Mark. But no camera. The no camera is okay, but you do have my sound, so that's the important thing. Um, and so, uh, but uh, I have had the opportunity to serve on the SCP uh, review panel since the uh, program was developed several years ago, and it has been a thoroughly enjoyable experience. Uh, not only in the process of developing the program, which was a major undertaking. Uh, you have RP3 that has many years of development and experience and is really a, a somewhat of a blueprint that we use for this SCP approach. Um, but to be able to interact with colleagues in the same area of the utility, talking about demand response and energy efficiency, and customer-owned generation, and all of the emerging technologies, to be able to have that network uh, has really been invaluable. And to be able to focus in on on this particular area of our industry has been a tremendous uh, benefit to me personally, and uh, uh, it's been a thoroughly enjoyable experience. That's great to hear, Mark, and we really appreciate and all the time you've committed to being part of the SCP panel. Um, from there, I guess it would be great to transition into the SCP application and like designation itself. So, um, Sonia, it'd be great to kind of get your thoughts as a SCP designee on how the application process was and how that designation impacted your energy services at your utility. So the application process is a little bit more uh, in-depth than the deed grant. However, I will say that uh, you make it easy because we have access to you. We can assign the portal itself is great because you can assign folks from your company to answer certain questions. What I really love about it, and I know that um, Troy, Troy and Jeremy spoke a little bit about it, is the interdepartmental communication. Because you know, we're also focused on our jobs day to day that we may not necessarily learn what other folks are doing in the other parts of our company, in the other departments. And so by having to ascertain this information from the various folks within in the company, it's great because I learn how it affects the programs that I'm creating or what we're doing. So I really appreciate that part of the application process. It definitely solidifies the, you know, what we're doing is correct. I know, I think in 2019, I believe that was the first um, SEP award. And I remember going through this and thinking at the end of it, wow, the first one was tough, but it was, wow, this, this really helps solidify my learning of the energy industry and the different innovative technologies that are coming up and how we all work together to do it. It's not just siloed departments. So that was really great about the application. Um, and also by becoming, in 2019, it was nice to become a designee because of the fact that it validated the business decisions we were making as a company that what we're doing is in fact, you know, up to par with with DEET and and APPA and what we're coming out with innovative technologies. So that really, I felt, um, really helped, you know, show our company that we're moving in the right direction. And then from there, it's a great, it's a, having SEP, it's a great form of marketing and communications. I add it to social media, to the website, all of our branding on on any type of TMLP swag. We try to get the SCP RP3 designation branded on there, my signature on the email and so forth. And we love having that feather in our cap and touting it. Uh, we're loud and proud about it and we we enjoy it. And, in tw and from 2019 to 2023, we've been a recipient ever since. And what I like about that, too, is the 
panel gives us feedback. So from 2019 to, I believe it was 2021, it's two-year designation, our score increased. So in 2019, we received our first score. We were so proud. And, but the feedback we got from the panel was really like, ah, okay, let's, let's incorporate this into our programs. Let's develop this a little bit more. And it helped us to better our programs. So then in 2021, our score increased. And then again in 2023. So I not only you know, use it as a feather in our cap, but it also helps better the programs that we offer our customers. Right. Thank you, Sonia. And uh, sorry, Mark, did you pop on and have any thoughts about that as well? So are an SEP designee? Yeah, I would really agree with what Sonia was talking about. I, I think that uh, the the application uh, isn't just for uh, somebody who manages uh, customer programs like energy efficiency. It really gets you out and talking to other folks that have an impact on the overall sustainability of efforts of the utility. And that can reach into your customer-owned solar. It can reach into uh, your uh, electric vehicle uh, efforts if you're getting those off the ground. It can reach into battery storage. So it really kind of gets you, it forces you to to bridge those those gaps a little bit sometimes as was mentioned we get into our silos and so i really appreciate that and i also appreciate the fact that we're looking at the future of uh, the application itself um has a variety of questions and not every box is going to be checked by every utility that's absolutely the way it's going to be but it allows you to look at trends and emerging trends in technology and approaches that utilities are taking for those future needs that are required to maintain affordability and reliability, uh, and also to respond to needs of your customers and where that is going. So I think that's all benefit. Uh, in addition to receiving that designation and being able to tout that you're being recognized from a national perspective from the American Public Power Association, all of those are, are great benefits. Great. Thank you. Um, I guess kind of tying into that, but um, could you provide any examples of, of kind of trends that you've kind of encountered during your your application period or filling out an application? I think it'd be really interesting to kind of hear what some things you've caught on to or while um, going through this application over the years. Sure. We certainly have. Uh, one of the things that I remember uh, specifically was at the time in 2019, we didn't have a battery program and uh, going through the application, um, it led me to think, oh, this is something perhaps um, we should look more into. So over the next couple of years, we were able to really dive into it and look to see if it's a program that our customers want. And since then, we've developed a battery uh, program for our customers. And it really has turned into a successful program, especially because it's solar folks, um, existing solar customers, new solar customers, and seeing, like Mark said, the emerging trends and seeing how that is picking up over the years. And we had this program because SEP, that helped us to develop that in addition to other programs like our EV program. So it really has these trends and watching, you know, at the, looking at the questions and, and having access to the panel members to you know, really um, share these ideas and talk about it, it really helps spawn more innovative ideas or tightens up our programs or makes them better for our customers. And uh, today I was doing a grab and go for one of our, um, our, our local community uh, partnerships for the senior center. And they uh, the compliments I've been getting were, you know, we love you guys, the programs you offer, you know, I can't wait for you to come out with that heat pump program. We have that coming up. So as a result of the 2023 SEP application. 
That's great. It's great to hear that the uh, the application is kind of inspiring these new projects and kind of encouraging this growth to happen. Uh, one thing I've noticed a lot during our SUP panel meetings is um, when we're discussing changes to the application, it's uh, less, uh, of course, it involves, you know, maybe certain changes to phrasing, but it also includes a lot of discussion on kind of what best practice is in the industry and kind of what the application itself should be working towards in the future. So um, I guess, Mark, it'd be great to kind of hear your thoughts on that and how kind of the panel works to to push the industry itself forward by kind of including these components into the SEP application. Yeah, a lot of the um, ideas for what ought to be part of the next edition of the application is the, the review that we conduct of all of the submittals, all of the applications. Uh, we start to see utilities on the cutting edge that are starting to incorporate, you know, uh, new technologies uh, and, and that kind of generates discussion about, well, is this, is this something that we ought to put out there as something to aspire towards? Uh, and again, I think when we have those conversations, we fully recognize that every utility is at a different spot and has a different reality in their journey towards adopting some of these technologies. And we fully expect that uh, many won't uh, be among the very first because our situations are so different, you know, whether you're in a rural part of the country or urban area, depending on your your uh, uh, objectives of your utility, you're going to gravitate towards certain technologies to kind of accommodate what you're trying to achieve. But um, some of the great ideas that we get for future editions of the application come from our review of application submittals. Great, yeah, and I think it's it's really great seeing kind of these new ideas getting included into the application. It just, it helps even new applicants get exposed to these kind of emerging trends and technologies. So even even if they don't end up submitting an application one year, they'll kind of have this target kind of set up. Like, this is something we should aim for, and maybe down the line, we can get things rolling and then apply for the SEP designation. So that's that's great to hear. Um, I guess kind of another thing I could ask the both of you is um, if there were kind of any specific instances where being part of SEP kind of influenced your approach to energy services, I know, Sonny, you've mentioned your battery storage program and how, how the application kind of led you guys to pursuing that, but um, are there any more instances of that? Well, I think uh, when Jeff mentioned that, you know, he has a spreadsheet of ideas, uh, mine is a whiteboard. And if I were to turn my camera right now, the whiteboard is full. I need a larger one. Uh, I When I go through the application, as it's spawning ideas, I write them on my whiteboard so that I can, you know, work towards that. Um, right now, I'm in the process of developing a heat pump program um, to, you know, offer our customers. And it's a large one, um, heat pump and a loan program for our customers as a result uh, to help our customers fuel switch. Great. Um Mark, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Oh, no, no, that's fine. Um, as I was given that some consideration, I know we are really working on efforts to more deeply impact uh, vulnerable customers uh, that really have a hard time accessing uh, any kind of energy efficiency just because of the pure cost of, of attaining more uh, efficient uh, air conditioners, heat pumps, heat pump water heaters, all of those types of things, and seeing what some of the other utilities have done across the country in addressing vulnerable populations has been very helpful and insightful in our development of strategies and partnering with local agencies and partnering with the city to match funds and to make, uh, to make a good business case, as well as just an overall effort to assist customers that they just need the support to have more of a long-term uh, impact on their savings, not just a one-time billing assistance approach, but something that's going to provide 
10 to 15 years of savings because of the energy efficient equipment that's being used to replace uh, old and inefficient stuff. I agree with that, Mark. That is something that we're working very hard with in our uh, heat pump program is being inclusive to low and moderate income folks in our area. We have a high population and having access um, to the funds to be able to fuel switch, which is not inexpensive at all, um, sometimes is a, is a deal breaker to folks if they can't access the program. So it's a really, you know, creating that program and incorporating that into it. Um, and you ask the questions in SEP about inclusion and, and, and so forth. And the state is too, with all their program, our state of Massachusetts as well. Uh, it is something that we work very, very hard to and have been uh, more so since our last application that we filled out in these programs that we're creating. That's a good point. Thank you for bringing that up. All right. Thank you both for sharing your thoughts on the SCP program. Really, really love to hear kind of how this, this program is really benefiting you all. Um, just uh, before we round things out here, uh, were there any things that uh, Sonia or Mark that you'd like to share um, before we head into our Q&A portion? No, I, I would say if there's anyone out there that wants to uh, be on the ground floor of looking at the trends going on in our sector of the industry, um, getting involved with the SCP review panel is an awesome way to do it. And if there are folks online who haven't submitted an application for the SEP designation before, I would strongly encourage it. Uh, the RP3 is very rigorous as it should be. Um, I would say this is rigorous too, but I, I think that there is, I think this is maybe not quite as time consuming to put together just because it's a little bit more focused on, on the demand side management type of things. So the amount of time required may not be quite as as onerous, um, but it's definitely got a great return on investment from it in terms of educating yourself as well as being able to sh share with your external stakeholders and internal stakeholders of the excellence that you've achieved in an area that goes often unrecognized. I echo that, and I say to anyone that hasn't done it yet, just do it. Just do it. You got to start your benchmark somewhere. Just do it, and if you fail, it's it's not a big deal. You just do it again, and you'll have all the comments to be able to review, and and then put forth an application with those uh, the next time. <laughs>